Good morning, Renewal. Welcome to another Sunday morning digital service stay-at-home podcast. Just so grateful to have you tuning in for these and to, to keep being a part of our community, even if uh, your participation is largely limited to digital connection. Uh, we just believe that's better than nothing. So um, thanks for being here, and we do certainly continue to look forward to the day when we'll see your faces back with us at the Roxy on Sundays. Someday, hopefully soon. I want to point out that this coming Wednesday, Christians all around the world from various branches of Christianity are going to begin celebrating the Lent season. This coming Wednesday, February 17th, is Ash Wednesday. And since at least the early 4th century, and maybe even earlier, Christians have been setting aside 40 days between Ash Wednesday and Holy Saturday, the Saturday before Easter, to fast and to pray in preparation for celebrating Jesus' resurrection on Easter Sunday. That means that for almost 1,700 years, this is what most Christians have been doing, setting aside 40 days to fast and pray. Uh, to prepare for Easter. This also means that people were setting aside the season of Lent for fasting and prayer decades before the canonization of the scriptures. Uh, This means there was wide agreement that it would be a good thing for Christians to observe a season of fasting to prepare for Easter before there was ever even wide agreement on which writings belonged in the Bible. Now, this being true, I have to confess that I lived most of my Christian life, uh, certainly into my adulthood, largely ignorant of what the Lent season was all about. Growing up in the branch of Christianity that I did, I mean, about all I knew about Lent was that it had something to do with, with fish on Fridays for Catholics. And yet, as I walk with Jesus, and the longer I've walked with Jesus, something has happened to me. I began to found uh, an appreciation, indeed a deeper appreciation, for some of these traditions of our elders in the faith. And while I still believe firmly that tradition is no substitute for scripture or for sound doctrine, I, I acknowledge that there's great wisdom to be gleaned from 2,000 years of Christian community insight into our faith and how we can best live it out. And so, Uh, I I think that we can benefit from the long memory that the community of faith has around us, especially when our own short memory leaves us in the dark on certain subjects or ill-prepared for certain circumstances living here in a broken world. So today I want to talk about why it would be good to celebrate Lent or what it might be that would motivate us to subject ourselves to 40 days of prayer and fasting because even as those words come out of my mouth, I have to Confess, there's nothing inside of me that gets excited for uh, 40 days of fasting uh, or even 40 days of prayer. Um, But why might this be a good thing for us to do? You know, a main theme for the season of Lent is this whole idea of fasting. And a main theme in fasting is, is that of repentance. And so I think most of the value that we find in a season like this or setting time aside to observe a season like this is it's an opportunity for us to to focus on repentance, to focus on 
uh, adopting and incorporating whatever changes God might be leading us to in, into ourselves and into our daily life so that we can live more fully in the light of his kingdom and in harmony with his kingdom purposes. One of the important things that Lent does is it, it reminds us this thing that we so often forget, and that's that we forget that repentance is for us. You know, when John the Baptist came preaching his message back in the day, uh, coming before Jesus Christ, his message was to repent. And then when Jesus came along preaching his message, his, his primary message in the beginning was to repent. And who was this message for? As these two you know, profound ministers proclaimed to the people around them they need to repent, their message was targeted at God's people. The people who were already in, the people who were chosen by God, the people whose entire identity as a people, as a nation, revolved around their relationship with Yahweh, the creator God of the Bible. And I think this is an important principle for us because repentance isn't simply a message that's fit for drug dealers or crooks or used vacuum salesmen. Repentance, as it's presented in Scripture, is a message to God's people, first and foremost. And this truth is so profound that repentance is for God's people that God's people historically have set aside a season of the year every year for centuries to proclaim that to one another. This is a time to repent. And I believe that this is a truth, that repentance is for God's people. This is a truth that the church would really do well to embrace in these current times. Lent is a good thing to focus on. It's a good season to celebrate because it reminds us that repentance is for us. Why else might it be good to celebrate Lent? I think another reason is because the whole idea of of fasting is a spiritual discipline. And from time to time, a little discipline is can be really good for us. Now, I want to preface this next part of the message with, with just saying the last thing that I would ever want to do is preach a performance Christianity or in any way encourage people to embrace a religion of burnout where we you know, hold fast to our own ability to do the things that we think we should do and any assurance we have that we are in the kingdom comes from our own performance. Uh, I I think many of us have lived enough of our Christian lives in a place like that. We know that's not where we want to go. And certainly at Renewal, we hold fast to a a more relational understanding of the gospel, and and, uh, we tend to want to pursue God and pursue each other through relational efforts that find great security in the covenants that God has made with us and invites us to make with each other. And yet, that being said, a little bit of discipline, a little bit of program, a little bit of commitment can greatly enhance relational efforts. I was reading a study this week that, that talked about uh, discoveries uh, in this certain test they did that married couples who planned at least one monthly date night were more likely to stay together over the course of 10 years than couples who rarely or, or never had a date night. I think in that study right there, we can see there is a benefit to being disciplined in certain priorities in a relationship. If you are in a marriage and you want to stay married, a discipline you can engage in, something intentional you can do, is is to plan and hold to date nights. Just might be something helpful. 
when I say discipline, I, really what I'm simply saying is being thoughtful and, and wise about the things that we would say yes to or the things that we would say no to. So if I'm going to be disciplined in my eating, I would say yes to healthy foods and no to unhealthy foods. If I'm going to be disciplined in my physical activity, I would say yes to activities that make my body move and push me a little bit physically. And I would say no to things that, that are like sitting on a couch watching TV. If I'm going to be disciplined in my relationships, I would say yes to things that enhance my relationships and no to things or behaviors that would undermine them. And certainly in relationships, what I would say yes or no to is going to vary from relationship to relationship in the unique context in which I'm relating to different people. But being thoughtful and wise about how we relate to one another is going to result in richer relationships. Even as I say this, I have, I have to admit, I am tempted to put a lot of caveats in here about not being too given to discipline, right? Uh, I mean, it's always nice to have a little bit of ice cream every now and then. It's, it's always nice to veg out in front of a TV maybe for a period of time. And sometimes we don't want to be focused on just being thoughtful and wise all the time. Sometimes we want to let our guard down and just sort of go with the flow a little bit. But as I consider my own life and as I think about the lives of, of people that I know, I, I have to admit the last thing I'm worried about right now in this season is that we would all somehow fall into uh, some kind of legalistic trap when it comes to disciplining our lives, especially our spiritual life, our, our relationship with Jesus. I don't think I need to give a lot of caveats about, well, let's not get too committed to discipline. I, I mean, I've, I've been in circles, I've lived through seasons, uh, perhaps where many of us were uh, overemphasizing things like spiritual discipline or, you know, the achiever's gospel, you do your best and then God will accept you. But as we sit in life today, as I look around, this is not a chief concern that I have. I think in some ways my concerns are more along the lines of the fact that we are maybe lacking some much-needed discipline in our lives. That in some ways, we might be a little overly consumed with comfort and leisure, and, uh, and that God would have more for us in our lives than simply living for ourselves or living for what makes us comfortable. Now, now remember, repentance is for us, and so uh, if... <laughs> If repentance is for us and God's kingdom looks a certain way and my life doesn't fully line up with that, then uh, I can uh, look at uh, living differently in the next season so that my life would be more in line with his. And Lent is a great opportunity to consider how I might be more disciplined in my pursuit of my relationship with the Lord. You know, the last thing about Lent that stands out to me today that I want to talk about is, is that observing Lent for generations of Christianity, it has signaled the beginning of a new season. And new seasons are really good reminders that change is inevitable. New seasons are good reminders that the current state that we're in won't last forever. And, and that when we are in step with God, I believe we are ready for the new seasons that come our way. But when we're out of step, when we're not really walking closely with the Lord, New seasons can, can really catch us unprepared and often by surprise. In my own heart, in this season of life, over the last couple of months, I've had somewhere in, deep in my inside, I've had a growing sense of hope. And I'm optimistic by nature, 
and I'm I'm accustomed to believing the best, hoping for the best. I'm accustomed to forgetting that I'm wearing rose-colored glasses unless people around me maybe remind me. Um, but this sense of hope that I feel welling up inside of me is different. This hope, I don't believe, is just tied to James Dieter's natural optimism. I think in some ways, God's revealed to me that he's preparing my heart for the next season, for a new season, for a good season. Last week, David talked about Joseph and the, the difficult seasons he walked through and God's faithfulness through that. And, and this thing that God's doing in my heart has brought to my mind more than once the story of Joseph and caused me to wonder what was going on in Joseph's heart when he was in Pharaoh's prison before he was released. You know, there he was in prison managing the other prisoners. This has been his life for a few years now. And yet the season's about to change. And even if he didn't know that that call was coming from Pharaoh to come interpret the dream, I, I believe that God was, would have been doing something in his heart to prepare him for that next season. I just wonder, what was that like? How was the Spirit working in him to prepare him for what was next? It's caused me to wonder about other stories in the Bible. You know, we have the story of the nation of Israel wandering around in the, in the desert for, uh, in the wilderness for a generation before they get to go into the promised land. And I've wondered over the last number of weeks, what was going on in the hearts of God's people as that season of wandering was coming to a close? How was God preparing his people for what was next? One of the most dramatic changes in season in scripture is when Jesus came. And before that, the Jews lived through a 400-year season of, of what has been, you know, called by historians, uh, 400 years of silence from God. The prophets had not recorded anything for 400 years, uh, and God for a season seemed distant and quiet to his people. And then this new season begins where Jesus Christ comes and God is no longer distant nor silent. I mean, he, he's here in the flesh. You can see him with your eyes. You can hear him with your ears. You could be touched by him and healed by the touch of his hand. And so I look at that 400-year season and then I, I read scripture and I see evidence of God preparing his people for the new season that was about to come, when the Messiah would be with him. And those who were walking in step with the Lord and open to his preparation, did not miss Jesus' arrival when he showed up. They recognized him for who he was, which was a rare thing because most of the people did not recognize Jesus when he showed up. But in Luke chapter 2, we have a story of two people who, despite the apparent silence of God for 400 years, two people who had been walking closely with God and were ready for the kingdom when it arrived in the form of baby Jesus. And so here we are, most of the way through our our message today, and we're finally getting to scripture, thankfully. Uh, so we'll pick it up in Luke chapter 2, verse 25. So uh, in the beginning of Luke chapter 2, we have the story of Jesus' birth. You've got Mary and Joseph have this baby in a manger, and, and then a, a, a few days into the baby's life, it was Jewish custom to take the baby into the temple and have the baby circumcised, and then, and then uh, oftentimes that's when they would uh, name a baby too, or in a, depending on the time and the customs. But anyhow, so they're here in the temple in Jerusalem, and uh, and this character Simeon is introduced in Luke chapter two, verse twenty-five. It says, "Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's." Messiah. 
right here we have in these few verses a portrait painted of a man who, one, seems to be communing with God through a period of silence. So isn't that a relief? Even when God seems to be silent, he's at least still talking to some people. Two, God has told him the Messiah is coming and you are going to see the Messiah with your own eyes. I love this. I mean, I don't, you know, Simeon, maybe I'll get to meet him in heaven someday, but here's a man who is walking closely through the Lord, even through what would have been a difficult time to walk closely with the Lord. Verse 27, it says, moved by the Holy Spirit, Simeon went into the temple courts. I imagine Simeon showing up in the temple courts. Oh, hey, Simeon, what, why are you here today? And he's like, the Spirit told me to come. Here I am. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the laws required, Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Here was one of the Jews, one of God's people who was walking in step with God. And when the new season is ushered in, when God is going to walk with his people in the flesh, Simeon was ready for the new season and was rewarded with the opportunity to see the Messiah before he passed away. In the temple, there was also another woman, a prophetess named Anna. In verse 35, or sorry, verse 36, we pick up her story. Uh, it says, there was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. And she was very old and she lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then she was a widow until she was 84. And she never left the temple, but she worshiped day and night, fasting and praying. I'm seeing in this a portrait of a woman who is disciplined in her pursuit of God. Many other things she could have pursued in her life. And yet, uh, when she lost her husband and, uh, and found herself as a widow and living into a ripe old age, she decided that she was going to be pursuing a life in the temple, worshiping day and night, fasting and praying. And it says, coming up to them, coming up to Jesus' parents at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. And I imagine this old woman running around the temple courts in that day saying to people, I have seen the Messiah. I've seen the redemption of Israel. Hope is coming. Be ready. The new season is upon us. And this coming Wednesday, a new season will be upon us with Ash Wednesday. Marks the beginning of the Lent season. Traditionally on Ash Wednesday, Christians wear ash to symbolize repentance and prayer, oftentimes in the shape of a cross on their forehead. And from Ash Wednesday and then until the Saturday before Easter, they give themselves to 40 days of fasting, saying no to something so that they can say yes to uh, a greater awareness of God's presence in their lives. And this year for Lent, I just, I want to challenge us, each one of us, to, to consider dipping our feet in this traditional discipline. Who knows? Maybe God will use your intentional engagement with this tradition. Maybe he'll use it to prepare your heart for whatever is coming next. And I don't know exactly what's coming next, but again, my heart has hope welling up inside of it. And I, I firmly believe we serve a good God, and I believe that he is bringing good things around the pike in the next season. And so 
uh, I would love to spend uh, the 40 days of Lent fasting and praying and trusting God for that kind of thing together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunities that we have to walk with you for the various seasons of life. And uh, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would guide us into this next season. Prepare our hearts uh, however they need to be prepared. I pray your Holy Spirit would lead each of us to the right acts of obedience that you are calling us into and uh, that you would have your way in each of our lives, each of our families, and in our community. In Jesus' name, amen.